Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Do you work in an open plan office? A new study suggests that the psychological impact of this setup is actually worse on women than on men. What it reflects, I think, is not so much workspaces and how they're designed, is really reflecting how we as women are socialised to know that we are being looked at. And that happens pretty much from birth. Today, we discuss how women have been conditioned in a way that makes being in one room with a ton of our colleagues leaves us feeling very exposed. The open plan office isn't a new thing. In fact, it predates the cube farms of the past few decades. Back in 1939, Frank Lloyd Wright designed the Johnson Wax headquarters with no partitions. The open space just had thin white columns and filing cabinets to break up the desks and chairs. At the time, architects and designers were looking for a way to make the world a better place. George Musser of The Scientific American said, who thought that to break down the social walls that divide people, you had to break down the real walls too. But back in 1939, there wasn't 100-plus employees sharing that space. As time passed and more and more people were stuffed into the open space, it became noisy, distracting, and employees had no privacy or space to get away from their colleagues. So in the 1960s, the Cube Farm was invented. The Herman Miller Research Corporation were created to solve furniture issues, and they were tasked with taking all that open space and reimagining it. They created the Cube, three or four chest hider above walls to give your employee their own space to do their day's work. But that design also started to fall out of favour. With the colour scheme generally a bleak corporate beige or grey, it created small dark spaces with not a lot of light bar the fluoro strip above you. Human beings were not meant to sit in little cubicles staring at computer screens all day. So now we're back to desiring open plan office space with all the natural light you can muster. Glass walls for meeting rooms, a focus on acoustics like rugs and curtains that can dampen all that noise. And in some cases, your CEO may be right out there with you. But is the design actually best for us psychologically? In 2013, researchers from the University of Sydney found that the benefits of easy communication that are applauded with the open plan layout of the office didn't actually outweigh the drawbacks of the lack of privacy. Psychologists also found that the noise impairs our ability to recall information. The lack of privacy affects our productivity. Illnesses like colds and flu spread much easier. They've been attributed to a high staff turnover. And now a new study has found that open plan offices are particularly tough for women. The study's author, Rachel Morrison, is a senior lecturer at Auckland University of Technology's Business School. Rachel... Is the open plan office really worse than a cube farm or are they equal in their pros and cons? 
Well, compared to a cube farm situation, they're probably not really much better or worse, to be honest, because the thing which predicts whether or not people are going to be happy and healthy in a workplace is often around the ability to make sure that the space that you're working in suits the work that you're doing, allows the opportunity for communication and collaboration when you need it, but also offers some privacy. So I think what I found was that sharing an office with maybe one or two others or having your own office is the best but the reality is that a lot of organizations simply can't bear that cost it is the most expensive way of having office design moving to open plan has become ubiquitous i think there are so many organizations that are making choices around using space really efficiently What I expected to find was that when people had more contact with others, when people saw each other more frequently, and friendship research suggests that when that happens, we're more likely to make interpersonal connections and hopefully make friends. But what I actually found, and this has now been backed up by a lot of other research, is that communication decreased, people became less friendly, people withdrew socially in order to kind of cope, I think, with the added exposure. So there was no really good outcome to the huge open plan overexposure that people seem to work in quite a lot now. Well, let's talk about that exposure because in the course of your research, you didn't set out to find out gender differences in the experience of an open plan office, but you did come across some differences in the way women felt about it as opposed to men. Yeah, so there's been one other piece of research which has come out in the last year as well, which supports my finding. So what I was asking were questions like, how does this open plan space impact on your productivity? They were just reflecting on their own experiences of work, their well-being, et cetera, et cetera. And it was only once I collected all the data that I realised that all of the respondents who were talking about feeling exposed or visible or accountable or observed um, were women. And so I went back into the data and I separated out the male and the female respondents and I did a word search in the male data for all of those types of words and I didn't find any. I had one male respondent at one time interval said that he felt that somebody else didn't have very much privacy (laughs) and that was really it. And so that was quite striking and what it reflects I think is not so much workspaces and how they're designed is really reflecting how we as women are socialised to know that we are being looked at. And that happens pretty much from birth. So girl babies are commented on in terms of being cute far more than boy babies. And then by the time they're at primary school, it's it's really, really stark the amount of comments that boys get about their personality or their activities, whereas girls are commented on much more frequently about their clothes and how they look. And then if you look at media, the information that teen movies tell young girls that A, that they're being looked at, but also how important it is what they look like. And so all of that together, it would be surprising, I think, if women didn't notice that they were exposed or felt observed in open spaces. And I do think it's 
it's kind of an unintended consequence of these open spaces. I don't think that when they're being designed, anybody would necessarily think, well, is this level of exposure going to affect some people more than others? But I think that really has happened. And so there was another piece of research that took place in the United Kingdom. And again, she wasn't looking to find gender differences. And the reason she started looking at it was because she herself, doing the research in this big open space, noticed that she was dressing a little bit more carefully, wearing a little bit more makeup and being a bit more conscious of how she looked. And so then kind of investigated it and found that was true. So women were even being more mindful of where and how they walked and particularly what they wore. And some women were been quite conscious to dress not too corporate so that people didn't think they were sort of up themselves, whereas other women were very conscious to dress very feminine and very professional so that they could project a different image. That just doesn't really happen when you just sit by yourself with a few colleagues in an office. Another thing that your research uncovered was a pressure for women to feel like they needed to stay later because of that exposure in the office. So in the organisation that I was looking at for this study that we're talking about, there were some norms around presenteeism, you know, that you should stay late and be seen to be staying late. And whether or not they were policy, and to be honest, I really don't think it was. I think that the organisation was actually one which was very open to work-life balance policies. People were allowed to work from home. But if there's a perception that those norms exist and that you're going to get rewarded for being seen to be doing more work and only the female employees really feel observed, then it's going to differently impact the different people in the workplace. So Rachel, what's the answer? You said open plan offices are ubiquitous. They don't look like they're going to be changing anytime soon. And in fact, they're probably going to be more prevalent than ever, seeing as they are a very economical way of running a company, even if your productivity isn't as great. Um, What do you do in an open plan office as a woman to kind of counteract those feelings? Do we have any any tools that we can take into the open plan office? The main thing that has to change is that women and men need to stop talking to little girls about what they look like. There needs to be a change in the way that media is delivered so that girls and women aren't constantly informed that what they look like is important and has outcomes in their life. So that's what I would like to see change, but I just think that that's obviously not possible (laughs) at the moment. I think there is a greater awareness now that the way that media is consumed by young girls is quite damaging in terms of having to be that interested in how everybody else sees us. So it's called objectification theory and it's not so much that women and girls are being looked at, it's that we are told that we're looked at so much that we begin to see ourselves not how useful or effective our body is, but instead of how other people are seeing us. So there's this kind of third person in the way that we see ourselves. So it's kind of an interesting kind of sociological theory that can kind of be overlaid, I think, to women's lived experiences, not just at work, but in society. I think that women perceive that they're being looked at potentially more than they actually are. So I have no evidence at all that in this workplace, women were informed that they should stay late more than the men were. 
but they just felt that they were. You know, there was a perception. And ultimately, from a psychological standpoint, if you perceive that you're being observed, then you'll feel observed and you'll act in a way that is exactly the same as if you're being observed or not. So I wonder if there could be a perception shift, if there could be a way for women who feel exposed and observed and visible to say to themselves, you know what, perhaps I'm not actually being looked at as much as I think I am. If you work in an open plan office and feel like you're doing your job in a fishbowl, maybe you can ask for a spot in the office that's a little more private. There's an idea that we feel more secure when we can sit with our back to a wall or away from the main thoroughfare or in a place where we don't have to walk past a bunch of people to go to the toilet. Or maybe it's time to negotiate if it's possible with what you do for a job and ask to work from home. Ellie Beatty is the executive producer of The Quickie. Our audio producer is Ian Camilleri. For more episodes, you can head to mamamia.com.au forward slash The Quickie. And if you can, shoot us a five-star review in iTunes. That would be great. It helps us get into some more ears. Thanks. 